of BlackRock. How are we doing? My name is Tim Blow, and I am the lead director of student ministries here at this church. And can I tell you, I've been doing youth ministry for a long, long time. And uh, so, in fact, I've been doing it so long. Last week, uh, over the weekend, I actually had one of my former students and her husband, I had the privilege of marrying them three years ago, um, come and spend the weekend with us, which is so awesome. But as we were looking back at that, I realized I became her pastor. She's 27 when she was 11. So it's, it's been a while, right? And uh, there's a lot of people in this room, actually, that uh, are old and are adults. And I got to be their youth pastor, which is pretty stinking awesome. But I had a new mile marker in my life uh, last month, not just that I turned 40, but <laughs> beyond that, I am now not only a, a pastor of teenagers, I'm also a parent of one. Yeah. Yeah, you should be praying for me. Um, really, really important right now. So my oldest is uh, Carter. He's 13. And um, Here's two things I want you to know about Carter. Uh, he's a great kid, and he loves to do chores. Okay, fine. Only one of those things is true. He is a good kid. Chores, not so much, right? Um, just out of curiosity, okay, if you are a kid and you do chores, or you are an adult who makes or made their kids do chores, can you just raise your hands, please? Let me just see this. Okay, if your hands are up, Brooks, what's wrong with you? Uh, big facts, two words, free labor, okay? All you have to do is disguise it as, hey, I'm just trying to cultivate, develop within you a good work ethic, right? It's all you have to do. It's great. It's a wonderful thing. But Carter does chores. All my kids do chores, and, and one of his chores is to take out the trash. Now, uh, so it you know, comes a point, like, during the day, where, like, hey, Carter, go grab the trash, and he'll come back and be like, okay, all done, right? I've completed the task. And so, uh, but sure enough, there have been times, there have been days when we would go around the house, and someplace we would find a trash can with trash in it still. And we would lovingly gather our son and say, hey, um, you didn't quite complete this task. And he'd be like, oh, uh, well, uh, it wasn't full, of course, by that point, it's overflowing, but it wasn't full yet, or I, I forgot, right? And there's just times that he just failed to do it completely and wholly. And I think there's a lot of times in life that we don't do things fully. We only go part way. But when it comes to our Heavenly Father, I can I tell you that God wants every part of every part of us. Let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for our time that we're about to have here this morning. God, I pray that, God, that people would encounter you in a new and fresh way. I pray that people, including myself, would take a look, hard look at our lives, and we would see maybe areas that we have not, we're not loving you. And God, you would show us that. And Lord, it would not be a guilt thing, but God, you would, you would woo us in your love to love you with every part of every part of what we have and who we are. So God, I pray that your word would be powerful in this place, that God, your spirit would do what I cannot do. And I just pray this in Jesus' name, amen. That's right, wow, we gotta, we gotta work on this, by the way, in student ministry, when we, uh, which is actually a really great thing, by the way, so if you ever notice this, um, when we pray, when we say amen, let me try this again, amen. So we, it's, you know what it is? And what's cool about this is two things. One, we're saying, yes, we agree. And two, it forces people to actually listen when you pray. So it's good. Um, 
Um, secrets are out. Um, hey, so the, the scripture we're looking at this morning is out of Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles or devices, it'll be on the screen too, but you can o- open up to Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 29 to 31. Here we go. This is Jesus answering a scribe as a scribe asks Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Now, this is a pretty familiar passage if you've been around church any length of time, right? In fact, these, these verses are commonly referred to as the great commandment. Love God, love people. Sounds like a Black Rock Church mission statement, right? But to be honest, we often glance over this, move past this, and don't fully understand or realize or grasp what's going on. See, God wants every part of me. He wants every part of you. He wants your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. He wants your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, your will, your body, your spirit. He wants it all. But it's not just he wants part of every part. He wants every part of every part of me, of us. Because see, he doesn't just want part of your heart. He wants the whole thing. He doesn't want just a section of your soul. He wants it entirely, completely. He doesn't just want a piece of your mind, though some of you are really, really good at giving a piece of your mind. He doesn't want just a piece of your mind. He wants to renew it in its entirety. God doesn't want just some of your strength. He wants the sum of all of your strength. As the psalmist tells us in Psalm 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. See, God desires all that is within me. My actions, my thoughts, my motives, my desires, my, my will, everything that makes up who I am. Of course, this is easier said, this is easier to just give you know, mental assent to than to actually believe or actually live out. Because in many ways, I'll be honest, I hold back and maybe you do too. So for so many of us, you know, we give God what doesn't require us to sacrifice. You know, there's certain things that God asks for us, certain commands of God, like honor your father and your mother. You know, hey, that's easy, I'll do that, said no high schooler ever, right? But, you know, we say, hey, that's, that's kind of easy, but there are things that aren't quite so easy, like love your enemies. God, I know you say love my enemies, but let's be real. There's no way I can stay silent. He just sent a snap to all of my friends about me, and it was a complete lie. If I don't respond, if I don't snap back, if I don't do something, everyone is going to believe that person. Or, or God, it's just so infuriating. I just can't sit back and do nothing. I have to do something. I bless my enemy? No way. No way. The best I can do is ignore their ignorant self. Or sometimes we just give God what makes us look good. You know, Christmas time's busy. We all know it, right? But hey, um, you know, I'll go and I'll, I'll serve at the Urban Impact Christmas store because then I'll get lots of head nods and hey, how you doing? So glad you're here, right? We get a lot of those things and it kind of makes us feel good. But God, you want me to, 
You want to talk about what at work? You want you? No, no, no. There's no way I can talk about you at my job. I mean, I'll be known as that Jesus guy or that Miss uh, Jesus is the only way, right? I'll never live it down. I just, I can't do that. But see, God wants every part of every part, even when it means we'll be uncomfortable. But sometimes we just give God like the churchy stuff and we kind of keep the rest for ourselves. And we, and we segment our lives. And we say, hey, totally, I'm going to go to church all the time, or at least I'm going to keep up with the national average, so, you know, 1.7 times a month, right? And I'll do that, and I'll, and I'll pray before my meals, and I'll, I'll pray at bedtime, God, totally. And besides, BlackRock, the worship is dope, so I'm going to be there, right? It's going to be awesome. But when it comes to my future, what college I go to, what job I take, my sex life, who I'm going to marry, how I run my business, how I'm going to spend my money, you know, I'm going to just hold on to those things. But see, God wants every part of every part. Even if that means I have to give up control. Oftentimes, though, we also just give God what doesn't cost us too much. You might be like, hey, I, I love, love works day, you know, besides the sky blue t-shirt. But I love, love works day, right? Because 3.5 hours, one Saturday of the entire year, I get to love on people. This is awesome. I'm in, totally. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, God, I know middle school was so hard for me. And I know, I know if it wasn't for that adult leader that you brought into my life who loved you and loved me, I don't know where I'd be today. I understand that, Lord, but there's, I just don't have, I can't give two and a half hours a week for an entire school year. It's just too much time. I don't have that much time. I don't have that kind of margin. Somebody else will step up and do it. See, God wants every part of every part, even when our calendar seems too full. And then sometimes we just give God the bad and want to hold on to the good. God, I give you my pain. I give you my hurt, my disease, my broken relationships, which is good. We should do that. But sometimes we do that and we say, God, I give these to you because I'm hoping you're just going to make them better because then my life will be easier and I can just go about my comfortable, complacent, part-time faith. But my skills, my talent, my time, my money, I'm going to hold on to those things because I want to just kind of make my life good. But see, but God wants every part of every part. He wants the best of what we have. The best of what we have. Not just the leftovers and the discards. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. We know this. We don't even, I don't really hear any arguments with this because it just kind of makes sense with, to us because it's built deep down within. It's what we're designed to do. But as pastor and theologian R.C. Sproul says, as he, he kind of talks about Martin Luther and his wrestling with the great commandment, he says this. So that Luther examined the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Then he asked himself, well, what is the great transgression? You know, we might think it's, you know, murder or rape or something terrible like that. But he concluded that if the great commandment was to love God with all of your heart, then the great transgression was to fail to love God with all of your heart. See, the greatest thing we can do is to love God with every part of every part of us. And it just makes sense. That also could be one of the greatest ways that we fail. So where do we go wrong? Why do we so often hold back? Why do we so often epically fail in just giving God every part of every part? 
honestly, part of it, I think, is because the world, we are broken, fragmented, divided. And this is not God's design. God's design is for us with all that we have, with every part of every part of us, that we should singularly and primarily love him. That is the, the basis and, and purpose of our existence. And when, when sin entered the world, though, we became fractured and our lives fragmented. Uh, last summer, my, my family and I got an amazing opportunity. We got to take a 24-year-old RV and drive it across the country. We did 8,700 miles in five weeks. It was awesome. We saw some amazing things, like here's us at the Grand Tetons, right? Just beautiful, right? Amazing sights. Or Crater Lake in Oregon. This is just, it's so beautiful. The cleanest water in the world. So beautiful. And this is a great, I love this shot. It's awesome. Uh, the next one, right there. Just, this is, a, this is a picturesque of God's creation. So awesome, right? And can I tell you, though, what we saw as we drove back into Connecticut at 9.30 p.m. Uh, at night? <laughs> Yeah, that's what we saw, right? It's like, we just laughed. We're like, welcome back to Connecticut, right? And it's just like, that's life, right? And, but it's in multiple times. It, it's been like late at night, 11 p.m., 1 a.m., when I'm driving up 95 or driving up the mirror, and you're just in bumper-to-bumper traffic, right? And it made me wonder, as I sat there in that sea of lights and metal and grumpy people, why is there so much traffic? I mean, what, is, what are all these people doing here on the road at this time of night? I mean, this is ridiculous. What's wrong with them? Here I am stuck in traffic. Anybody ever been there before? Any? Otherwise, you need to drive in Connecticut. Anyway, um, crazy thing is, is that I'm not stuck in traffic. I am the traffic. I am them. I am participating in the madness. I am the one that's driving on that road at that time of the day or night, Right? And it's amazing is that this is not something being impressed onto me. It's something I'm fully participating in, and yet I see myself as outside of it. Because see, naturally, because of our broken selves, we segment our lives. We divide things up. We don't see it as being inclusive. See, as human beings in this world corrupted by sin, we naturally segment our lives. Instead of seeing it all as inclusive, we see it as separate. Not as one unit, but different areas of our lives, different little things. And honestly, often, we see our lives like waffles. And yes, I had that in my pocket. (laughs) Doesn't everybody carry egos in their pocket? Anyway, um, but it's like a waffle. Because see, waffles have all these little squares inside of it, right? These little segments. And it's like our life, you know, one unit, but we divide it up. We're like, well, this is my church life. That's my family life, my personal life. You know, my sex life, my, you know, this is my time, my relationships, all these different things. And we like, hey, these are my, this is my life, right? And we do that so often. And, but here's the, you know what's really cool about waffles? It's cool is, is syrup. Because when you have syrup, you can, see, when you pour syrup on a, on a pancake, it just smothers the whole thing, right? It just kind of goes everywhere, right? But especially Belgian waffles, the really thick ones, you can like pour the syrup just into the little squares that you want to, and that's it. You don't have to pour it everywhere. You can, you're in control. You can kind of put it where you want it, right? Create little smiley faces, whatever you want to do, right? Um, and you can do that. But so often, we do that same kind of thing when it comes to God in our lives. We say, God, hey, yeah, you can have uh, my family life. Oh, of course, my church life, you can have that, God. Not that one, but you can be a 
And, and here's what we do. We take God and we allow him to be parts of our lives. But here's the thing. God is not okay with just being part of our lives. He wants to be in every part of every part of our lives. He wants, no, he demands every part. Why is that? Because we are his. Because we're his. See, God can ask for every part of every part of us, us to love him that way because we're his. As Psalm 95, 5 to 6 says, the sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This verse is saying, in verse five, like, hey, the sea is his because he made it. And in verse six, we see that we were made by him, which means we're his. He made us. But see, like I said, sin entered this world fragmented, broke our relationship with God, divided us from him. And so not only did God make us, but he also bought us back. In 1 Corinthians 6, we read that we are not our own. We were bought at a price. So therefore, we should honor God, glorify God in our bodies. Sin fragmented our lives separated from God, so Jesus gave everything, his very body, his blood, to set us free to glorify God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength because that was his perfect design. See, God can demand us and every part of us because we are his, but also because that was really his design from the get-go. And, and this Mark, and Mark's recording of Jesus giving the great commandment, he also includes the full uh, part of, of what we see in Deuteronomy 6 uh, in the beginning where it says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this has a couple meanings to it because see, when, when it was first written down in Deuteronomy and, and, and we see it is because the nation of Israel, it was surrounded by nations, by people groups that had many gods. They had many gods. They had all these different gods for different parts of their lives. They had the God of war, the God of fertility, the God of the sun, the moon, you know, the, or, you know rain, different things that they you know, needed help in so they created a God for that. But God is saying, no, 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 no. I am the one God. It's just me. And I'm sufficient for everything that you may ever face in life. That's one. But it's more than that. That's what I want to focus on. It's not just that he's the one and only God, but I want you to know that God is what we see in Scripture. That God is one in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. Right? And, and what's amazing about this is that there is perfect unity, perfect oneness within the Godhead, even though they have different roles. But see, we struggle with that because in our broken and fragmented world, we just can't understand. We can't get it that in the Godhead that there could be no pride, no competition, no feelings of inadequacy or envy or jealousy in the different roles that they play. And yet that is what is, is the case. God is completely and perfectly undivided. But this is so hard for us because even in the best of human relationships, even if it's just a fleeting thought, we have thoughts or feelings of inadequacy or envy or jealousy or selfishness. And so we can't understand how God could be three in one and how it functions perfectly, but that's exactly who he is. When it comes to God, he's perfectly one. And that was also his design for us. Because we are made in his image. 
When God created humanity, they weren't naked and afraid like the you know, TV show, right? But as Genesis 2.25 tells us, is that they were naked and not ashamed. They were fully known. There were no secrets. In perfect relationship with God and nothing to hide. Not only were they fully loved by God just as we are, but unlike humanity today, they were able to love God back with every part of every part of who they are. As they lived out each day, doing the work that God had given them. So God's design, God's desire for us is that we love him with every part of every part of us. And though still for the time being, uh, sin has its hold kind of on creation Jesus, through the power of his blood, has set those of us who know him free, has, has torn down the walls, released the chains, that we may grow in love for God with every part of every part of who we are, unified completely as one singular being existing and living to love God with all that we have in our lives, our relationships, in our friendships, in our work, in our school, in our desires, our emotions, everything that we are. God is calling us to love him with every part of every part. But why is it that we so often, like, hold back? I mean, if we're gonna trust God with our eternity, if we think he loves us that much that he gave his only son for us, why wouldn't we trust him with the different aspects of our life? Why wouldn't we give it all over to him if he's that good? But it doesn't end there. See, because God is one and he desires oneness within us as we give him every part of every part of us. But see, that brokenness, that fragmentedness was not just our relationship with him and us, but it's also our relationship with, with each other, which is why he says in Mark 12 there, to love one another as yourselves, to be one with them. But see, this is hard for us because we have a hard time loving ourselves sometimes. And so we can't, we don't always get loving each other well. But see, he wasn't just saying, hey, love it in the same way you love yourself. He's saying, no, love them as they are yourself, as in they are you, because you're one. Because see, of all the things that we think Jesus could have prayed for, for his future followers before he went to the cross, we see in John 17 that Jesus said and prayed to his heavenly father, Lord, may they be one as you and I are one. Jesus desired for us to know and live out being the one body of Christ, his church. But we have a long way to go in this. We often don't get this right. We're not there. But one of the amazing things about being here on this earth and, being, uh, and knowing Jesus is we get glimpses. We get glimpses of what things will be like when Jesus makes all things new, when our old is completely gone and passed away. We get glimpses of that, and I've seen that. I've had the privilege and the position I am in to see front row seats of adults living this out. Like what we see in 1 John 3, 16, that says this. By this, we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Jesus laid down his life so that we may know life in him. And as I said, I've got the opportunity to see adults 
living this out as they laid down their lives, believing in this oneness, laying their lives so that students may come to know him. Check out this video about one of our students and one of our leaders. So um, when I was about nine years old, um, my father ended up passing away, and that really threw me into the real world pretty quickly. When I was really lonely and I had felt like I was lost and, and I couldn't see a way out, um, the Jintas, uh, especially Justin Jinta, helped me out of it, and he invited me to come to Stockade, the Monday night program here for boys, and that sort of started me on this journey with God that I didn't even know started at that point. I grew up in Black Rock. Um, in high school, I went to Fusion, Black Rock's high school student ministry. Um, and there, I served doing sound. Uh, it's something that I had learned with my dad as he did it as I was in middle school. The friendships and leadership I had there was a great reminder and great, um, great pointer to how I should live my life and, and aim to live my life. The friends that I made in Fusion were people who I'm still friends with today. So Fusion Black Rocks High School Ministry has um, really been a guiding hand in the years that I've been maturing and getting older, um, specifically in ways that since my dad had passed away, um, people like Tim, Andy, and my leaders in my small group have uh, been able to to walk with me through things that a guy goes through as he gets older, um, whether that be even like girls or, or any, anything really, I can go to them and get help from them. Um, so that's been a really comforting thing, especially when, you know, maybe uh, I don't know who to go to. People at school don't really seem approachable or anything. The people here always love to help you. That really impacted me and it, um, that was one of the things that I had to learn um, to really accept because I hadn't really felt that after my dad's passing. The time in Fusion was really impactful to me. So when I came back, I wanted to go ahead and, and decide to be a leader. And uh, expectation with that is that you're there each week. This past season was quite busy for me at work, so that was a little bit tough. And sometimes it was, all right, I got to work my work around what's important, what I'm committed to. So a couple times on travel up in upstate New York, up there Monday, coming back Tuesday here at Fusion. All right, then run into the office Wednesday morning and drive back up there for the rest of the week. This is what you got to do, but you know, it's a joy. And my boys who are now graduating, uh, they knew I was there every week. They go, yeah, Dan's here. He's been with us for four years. And uh, that's the deal. I was there with them every week. We're there to have fun, talk, and learn about the Lord together. It really started on a regular fusion night when uh, Zach Lamine just pulled me over and said, hey, do you want to help out on Tuesdays um, by doing sound and learning how to do use a soundboard? I was a little hesitant at first, but I did agree. And um, it really just, the ball started rolling from there. Um, Dan and I always meet earlier on Tuesdays and while the band is practicing, um, he always runs me through how to um, do anything and everything on the board. Um, it's been really fun. Um, but that sort of started my whole serving interest um, with being able to help out in the church instead of just going to the church. So being intentional, being there every week and just working with the sound is what led me to meet and uh, grow to know Attila um, and, and kind of teach him a little bit like I had learned uh, about sound and just how to serve in that manner. Since uh, I've been helping out with Dan and he's been teaching me how to run sound, um, it 
sort of got me interested in helping in other parts of the church, specifically in the um, fifth and sixth grade ministry of 56. Every Wednesday I come and I'm a fifth grade leader and that experience has been so impactful for me because when I was in fifth grade I had high school leaders leading me and now being in their position five years later it, it humbles me but it also makes me realize that um, it's so important to pour into the next generation of kids growing up because they're the ones who are going to be leading the church. It's been a joy to work uh, with Fusion for the past four years to be able to see uh, the guys who I started with as freshmen now graduating as seniors, they've grown so much. It's, it's incredible to see how they've grown and also what I've learned from them in the past four years. And just uh, coming each week, spending time with them, talking to them throughout the week, uh, you see how they grow, but also it's a joy and it, it's, it's a growing experience for you as well. You see ways that they help to shape you and how you learn through, through spending time with them. So I oftentimes think about who I would be um, without the people that ha that Fusion has allowed me to meet along the way, you know, Dan, my leaders, um, all the small group leaders I've had over the years. And um, I know for a fact that uh, if anything, I wouldn't be the man who I am today. Um, and that's completely to thank for the, the leaders that have poured God's love into me over the years. And um, it really shows the importance of how um, powerful student ministry can be to the kids who come. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.